0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. As of last year, suicide was the leading cause of death among 10 to 17 year olds in Utah, and the youth suicide rate had tripled since 2007. Teen suicide is a hot topic lately, with the advent of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. Several groups, including the Society for the Prevention of Teen Suicide, have expressed concerns that the media tends to glamorize and sensationalize suicide. We're going to talk about it in this hour of Access Utah. Our guests include representatives from the Society for the Prevention of Teen Suicide and from NAMI, Utah, and two high school teachers. And We'd love to hear from you at upraccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com. The program begins following the news. Thanks for tuning in for Access Utah. Before we jump into our discussion of teen suicide, which will comprise most of the hour, I wanted to get this comment in from last week. You'll recall we talked about health care plans, which are uh, commonly known as uh, Obamacare and Trumpcare. We talked about the American Health Care Act recently passed in the House of Representatives. And uh, this uh, comment came in from Glenn in Roosevelt. It's somewhat lengthy, but I'll read most of it. Uh, He responds to Boyd Matheson of Southern Institute. He says, Boyd Matheson of the Southern Institute quoted Governor Herbert in regard to getting things done if government would get out of the way. That seems to be at the core of the central nervous system of most all of the conservative arguments in general, says uh, Glenn. Government regulation has not been historically bad. As, for, uh, for instance, look at the U.S. GDP from 1900 to 2015. Arguably, the laissez-faire system of government regulation began a slow death in the early 1900s. It began with the trust-busting of the Roosevelt administration, then with the precursor to the FDA, the Pure Food and Drug Act. Landmark legislation such as New Deal and Great Society have not turned our economy around and sent it into the Stone Age. Somewhere along the way, we enacted EPA, OSHA, etc. It cannot be denied that the middle class, the economy, our society, and in general has been greatly no exponentially enhanced through government regulations and actions call it socialism if you want getting government out of the way would be an obvious step in the wrong direction such an action would be doing the opposite of what was worked well over the last century by well of way of illustration take the governor's plan of getting the governing body out of the way in order to get a lot done how would the NBA look without rules, regulations, and a governing body? LeBron James could get a lot done on the basketball floor without rules getting in his way of him being the one of the strongest and most powerful players in the game right now. That's human nature. The strongest would prevail over the less strong. It happens in schools, neighborhoods, corporate America, and politics. Leveling the playing field does not destroy society. Uh, and then I'll skip a bit. The entire get the government out of the way argument is fallacious at best and thoroughly misleading. From laissez-faire to our modern society, we have proof of this. Best regards. it's Glenn in Roosevelt. Thanks for that, Glenn. Keep the discussion on healthcare going at upraxis at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in to Access Utah. As of last year, suicide was the leading cause of death among 10 to 17-year-olds in Utah. And the suicide rate had tripled since 2007. Teen suicide is a hot topic lately with the advent of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. Several groups, including the Society for the Prevention of Teen Suicide, have expressed concerns that the media tends to glamorize and sensationalize suicide. We're going to talk about this during this hour. And uh, our guests uh, include a representative from the Society for the Prevention of Teen Suicide, Phyllis Alonghi, who's their clinical director. Uh, Phyllis, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We We, really uh, relish the opportunity to weigh in on such an important topic.
0: We thank you for being with us. We also welcome in uh, Kim Gardner, who is with uh, NAMI Utah, National Association on Mental Illness, uh, Utah, Uh, their interim director. Kim Gardner, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: And uh, we have a uh, a high school uh, counselor, uh, Andy Peterson, with Gunnison Valley High. Uh, Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Uh, I think uh, we're going to have to uh, leave some of our guests potted down. Uh, We get that weird echoing. When we have both my microphone up and, and uh, theirs, we'll have to kind of go back and forth here. Uh, so let me start with Phyllis Alonghi with uh, Society of Prevention of uh, Teen Suicide. I want to mm-hmm. uh, respond. have you respond to this uh, this series, the Netflix series, quite popular. I think uh, season two is coming up, at least it's been ordered. Um, this is a, a television series uh, starring a girl who uh, has committed suicide, right? And they're, she's, they're looking back. Um, on uh, the, all of the reasons, potential reasons uh, why. Uh, so 13 Reasons Why is the name of the, the series. And uh, you have a statement on your, on your website uh, responding to this. I guess there is some good. There's discussion okay. happening, including here on Utah Public Radio, but uh, there, there's some mm-hmm. bad as well.
1: Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, we're not here to criticize, you know, the Netflix, and, and certainly not criticize the producers of the show. But we are going to say that there were ways that they could have been more responsible. And yes, I heard that they were going to sign on for another season, and you know, and the, the idea is that it will then address. School violence. So I think we're going to be having the same conversation a year from now. Um, you know. So getting back to the irresponsibility, there were several, um, you know, reasons why I think that they were remiss in really addressing what was happening with Hannah. Uh, um, you know, there's many reasons why someone would complete suicide, and so, so you know, they the the idea of blame and blaming the the survivors of the person who completed suicide and and the tapes and that it was a fictional depiction. It. Was was released, you know, all 13 episodes at once, so adolescents are binge-watching it, and we know the hazards of binge-watching, um, and so we, we get to identify more with the, the characters, and um, they become identifiable and more relatable, and it was, you know, the acting is well done, so there's something really endearing about Hannah, and you could see how, you know, they had their finger on the pulse of the high school vibe, and how adolescents would be a attracted to that. So we're watching 13 hours of Hannah's, the last 13, you know, days of Hannah's, hours of Hannah's life and getting emotionally invested without anyone, uh, any adult supervision or anyone to process this with. And that's one of the issues that I have. You know, um, it's, also, the, in the absence of mental health, clearly Hannah was struggling emotionally. You know, the, the issue of depression and, and anxiety or post-trauma for all of the things that had happened to Hannah were not addressed in the series. So those are treatable issues. And if we know that if someone is suffering, that they can receive treatment. Suicide is preventable. And, um, you know, I think that that's another space where they could have really done something really great was maybe have the actress, you know, step out of character at the end of each episode and give resources, you know, or talk about, you know, uh, bring you out of the fantasy of it, that the reality of it is that this is a fictional depiction. You know, and there's also the, the very graphic um, depiction of, of, her, of her suicide at the end, which we know is not, you know, historically in research shows and in the field of suicidology, not recommended.
0: Mm. Uh, So one of the things here that you've touched upon, maybe you could expand upon this uh, before we go on, um, a a teen could perhaps get lost in this, in the fantasy of the 13 hours. Uh, Your your fear here is that that teen perhaps would then move towards suicide? Depending
1: on what Exactly. Without without any parental, you know, monitoring or anyone to discuss it with, you know, teens are watching it. You know, we know they're going to watch it, and we know they already have. You know, n- the producers and Netflix made another... Um, episode at the end, which was done much more responsibly with a clinical psychologist and I think another counselor and and the actors and actresses talking about the role and why they felt it was important. And they, they continually list resources at the end. And that piece of it I didn't see when I watched the entire episode I did not that was not I couldn't find that until like maybe a week or two later when I had heard about that I went back to look at it so and and the teams that I've asked since have watched the entire um, series, but did not watch that episode. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate that that was at the end and maybe not at the beginning or two episodes released and then maybe something else and then another episode or two released because it's overload. And, you know, we have to use this. We know that they're watching it. We know Netflix isn't going to pull it, so we have an option. We can focus on the obvious, you know, the negative impact that it's having, but also the buzz that it's facilitating. Um, And it's provoking dialogue. So we know they're going to watch it. We need to utilize the series as an opportunity to increase awareness and education with this subject. We have to encourage parents and guardians to be responsible, to monitor what they're watching, and give them the opportunity to educate themselves so that they feel comfortable talking to their teens, to their um, adolescent loved ones, about the series, about suicide, and some of the other very addressable issues that are depicted in the series.
0: We're going to uh, talk more in general but uh, at the first part of the program I want to have each of our guests respond to uh, 13 reasons why. I want to go next to uh, Andy Peterson uh, sure. who is a, a counselor at Gunnison Valley High. Um, Andy Peterson, uh, you're you're kind of on the front lines, right? You're you're dealing with teenagers uh, all day uh, every day. Uh, Gunnison Valley High in a, in a kind of a rural area. This is San Pete County, is it?
3: It is. San Pete County. Uh, our high school only has about 340 students. Um but in that 340 students, we're constantly trying to keep an eye out for, for students that, that seem to be on the outside looking in socially. And so, uh, unfortunately, sometimes suicide happens after the fact, and we, we don't always see, see those, uh, those warning signs or those red flags. Two years ago, unfortunately, we had two suicides happen, completed uh, within one weekend, and, and then they were not related, and uh, as crazy as that sounds, that's what happened, and, and since that time, we've been trying to, to keep a keener eye to, to look for those, those behaviors that we would expect to be associated with suicide, and that's, that's the tricky part is that um, sometimes those warning signs are not very evident.
0: Has there been any discussion the students you interact with about this series the Netflix series thirteen reasons why that you know it, struck not, a nerve?
3: not not to a great extent uh, it's true teenagers and many of us we, we binge watch on on Netflix or Amazon prime or whatever um, but at the school it there hasn't really been that much discussion on it and i i think I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that mm-hmm. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we uh, you know we stand ready to to talk with students who who might, be, uh, might have those addictive personalities where when they get into something, they really get into it and, and, and try to suggest some ways to kind of moderate their lives a little bit. We've, we kind of, that's our philosophy is that you need to be involved, um, don't obsess, or, or get too into any one thing. It's not that healthy.
0: As we go along the program a little later, I want to talk to you about some risk factors of being in rural places. and there I think there are some risk factors, including access to, to mental health. Uh, let me turn next Absolutely. to, to uh, Kim Gardner from Anami, Utah, their interim uh, director, Kim Gardner. Uh, first of all, just a, a response. Uh, have you heard any buzz about this series uh, coming through your organization, or, or has it been pretty quiet?
2: No, of course we have. And... You know, 13 Reasons Why has been a tremendous commercial success, Um, and pop culture has a tremendous opportunity and a great role to play in suicide prevention, and um, as our other two guests have indicated, there have been some missed opportunities with regard to uh, suicide prevention. We have pretty reliable data that... Um, about 90% of people who die by suicide have a diagnosable mental illness. And NAMI Utah, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, we proclaim ourselves to be Utah's voice on on mental illness. Um, and one of the unfortunate pieces of 13 Reasons Why is that there really was not um, a an opportunity to discuss that uh, treatment for uh, mental health conditions. Um, while not necessarily easily found or accessible, is, is there, and that uh, treatment works and people get better and recovery happens. And so these are opportunities that the media um, sometimes can take advantage of and sometimes does not, and that's my feeling in, in the case of 13 reason Why. It does give us an opportunity to have this conversation, and we're grateful for uh, you bringing this to the forefront uh, for your listeners, so that we can. You know, my my fear is that uh, this is a this is um, uh, a dark uh, movie. Um, it romanticizes suicide. I'm always concerned about uh, the fact that uh, in the world it feels like we don't value human life. And uh, understand the worth of human beings and I think sometimes uh, we have an opportunity to enforce that or not enforce that.
0: Let's uh, take a break when we come back I'll uh, just alert you come first to uh, Kim Gardner and talk about these troubling statistics. We'll also talk about nationally the, 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 uh, the general risk factors but uh, as of last year, as I said at the beginning of the program, uh, suicide leading cause of death among 10- to 17-year-olds in Utah. Youth suicide rate had tripled since 2007. Uh, I think Utah sits about number 8 in, uh, in suicide rate for this uh, age group, uh, so a serious problem. We have uh, with us several guests who can talk knowledgeably about this. We have Phyllis Alonghi, who's Clinical Director with the Society for Prevention of Teen Suicide, Uh, We have Andy Peterson, who is a high school counselor at Gunnison Valley High, and uh, Kim Gardner, who's interim director of NAMI, Utah. More following this break.
2: This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond.
3: I recently heard an employee complain that my boss doesn't respect my opinion. Instead of giving sympathy, I said, leave your opinion at home. In a good work environment, opinions don't matter. Facts matter. Facts are data combined with analysis. If you have data and solid analysis, then your leader and colleagues better listen, and they probably will. But your opinion doesn't matter, so leave your opinion at home and bring facts and good analysis to work. The Management Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU Shingo MBA program at the John M. Huntsman School of Business
2: a 15-month graduate degree for executives giving knowledge and skills to leverage the principles and tools of lean Continuous Improvement,
3: huntsman.usu.edu.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams, we're talking about the very serious topic of teen suicide on the program today. Suicide, as of last year at least, was the leading cause of death among 10- to 17-year-olds in Utah. The youth suicide rate had tripled since 2007. anti suicide is a hot topic lately with the advent of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. Several groups have expressed concerns that the media tends to glamorize and sensationalize suicide. We've talked about that in the first segment of the program. And we are talking about teen suicide uh, all throughout this hour. You're welcome to join this conversation. Perhaps you have a story, uh, an opinion, a question. Uh, The number is 800-826-1495, or you can reach us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And we have with us uh, from the Society for the Prevention of Teen Suicide, their clinical director, Phyllis Alonghi, We have a high school counselor with Gunnison Valley High, Andy Peterson. And Kim Gardner is interim director with National Alliance on Mental Illness, Utah, NAMI, Utah. Let me start with uh, Kim Gardner. Um, These are startling statistics. Suicide leading cause of death among 10 10 to 17-year-olds in Utah, Youth suicide rates tripled since 2007. Several uh, theories have been put forward, including high altitude. There was a study at the University of Utah um religious pressures um you know especially in a tight-knit small community tight-knit uh, religious community can be good except if you feel yourself on the outside other theories have been put forward uh i don't know what uh what your thoughts on this why teen suicide is such a problem in utah
2: suicide in general including teen suicide is complex so there is you know no one answer uh, there's no um, silver bullet with, uh, you know, fearing that that's maybe not the best metaphor, but um, we know that there are risk factors and there are protective factors. Uh, we need to um, educate um, our uh, families and individuals and communities uh, about, um problem-solving skills, uh, resiliency. Uh, There's uh, such an important value in social connectedness uh, with uh, appropriate relationships with peers and family and um, communities, including religious organizations. And you're right, um, that can be positive and that can be difficult. Uh, But there's much that we can do, and we're making a lot of progress uh, but we have much yet that we we can do.
0: Let me turn to Phyllis Longhi, Uh Maybe talk a bit about uh, risk factors, and then I want to talk about protective sure. factors as well. So risk sure. factors,
1: mm-hmm. uh, and, and you know, demographics is one of them. And I totally you know agree with what was said that there is no one. Reason. It's, you know, we believe in the overlap theory that, you know, it's a culmination of risks that really, you know, um, increase your, your risk. And so we're talking about personality factors and the demographics. And, of course, the clinical. Is there, is there um, you know, a, a preexisting condition? Um, issues with the family. And you know outside stressors and um, access, of course, to means and outside stressors can be you know just the the pressure that students and you know adolescents put on themselves you know to succeed to do to do well academically, um, peer pressure, social pressure you know those that those are really you know put. Um, Adolescents at a higher risk. Have you been exposed to suicide before? Have you, you know, is it someone you know, a peer or relative? And um, did you attempt before? Because that also, um, you know, brings you up the risk factor list. And, you know, any kind of. Um, Clinical issue or learning disability that includes impulsivity, because um, we know impulsivity can be uh, can be related to a risk factor, and also um, you know the early onset of puberty, which lead you know can be associated with impulsivity and 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 then you know impulsivity and risk behaviors so there's a lot of outside you know external uh, risk factors that you know really do increase their risk and so these are the things that we have to look for and unfortunately we don't always get this information in schools prior to students coming in or from one school to another like from elementary to intermediate intermediate to um, high school we don't always get that You know, and I agree that that one big protective factor is connectedness, that belonging to community or something face based or to school. It's very, very important that they feel a sense of something, and I think that this is where social media gets a hike up on us, because it's it's not always healthy and not always appropriate, but they feel very connected. And unfortunately, where social media is concerned, that never shuts off. You know, um, when students leave school on a friday and unless you they lived in your neighborhood you really didn't see anybody or contact anybody way back when until monday morning but now it's never there's no shutoff switch so we're constant we're constantly in contact and feeling the external pressures and stressors from our friends from what's depicted what we're looking at you know what we're exposed to and unfortunately parents don't really have the time to monitor all of that and you know and and as adults too we are you know really um, dependent on our technology and I think that that's also a, a stress factor we don't we don't um, have this parents today have so many different challenges you know um, and this is social media is one of them and the influence of um, binge watching something like 13, 13 Reasons Why you know so so parents really need to educate themselves so they can have these conversations with their kids and and that, that connectedness and belongingness to a school to a club to your church to your community is really important and you know at, when we're younger in, in elementary school and in the primary grades I think social emotional learning and the implementation of that into the schools is is really the essence of upstream prevention and can really, a wonderful protective factor, teaching anger management, coping skills, identifying and learning what mechanisms work for me that are appropriate, the management of my emotions, you know, self-esteem building, self-confidence raising, those are wonderful, you know, social emotional pieces that help strengthen and build resilience and cultivate that in our, in our adolescents when they're children. And that's, I think, what we really need to focus on.
0: Let me turn to Andy Peterson with uh, Gettison Valley uh, High School. I just want to read you a couple of quotes. This is from, a, I think, a Deseret News article from last year. Um, So first of all, Chet Ludlow, suicide prevention specialist at Central Utah Counseling Center. Uh, Fewer than 5% of people who kill themselves actually want to die, and his quote is, they just want to not be hurting anymore. And then there's a quote from Craig Bryan, suicide specialist at the University of Utah. Who says it's possible to? They need to learn it's possible to suffer and and have a life that's worth living. So I guess that's a, a, a special factor for teens, right? That you don't want to be hurting anymore, but you kind of can't see the, the long view.
3: Absolutely, absolutely right. Um, I appreciate what Phyllis has said with with the, the parents and the connectedness. and and the early intervention, and I'm not sure with the uh, statistics across the state, but I believe that the ratio of school counselors in elementary schools is somewhere in the neighborhood of 1 to 1,200, something like that. Uh, Recently House Bill 239 was passed, which uh, has put truancies and minor offenses back onto the schools uh, without the support of the juvenile justice system. Um, So now schools are having to decide at what point do we... Do we cut these students loose who refuse to come to school? How do we find those resources? To Are we supposed to go and get them out of bed and bring them to school so that we can address those issues? So there have been, some, I guess, some confounding factors over the years that um, uh, the school counselors try to figure out, what is my role? Am I the college and career readiness specialist? Am I the suicide prevention specialist? Am I all of the above? And and how do I find it it in the day to, to... to, make, to meet all of those ends, I guess. Um, but absolutely, when when students come to, to Gunnison Valley High School, what they hear over and over is get connected, get involved, get involved in a sport, a club, start your own club. Uh, but like Phyllis said, I think when that connectedness is there, they then have a reason to continue on, and they, might, they may not have that at home.
0: Uh, there are some factors I want to follow up here with the factors for in rural areas. Uh, one of those, I would imagine, you know, longer to go perhaps to get mental health counseling, uh, longer distances. Uh, another might be, I don't know, is there an increased stigma, uh, kind of a you know the cowboy up mentality in rural areas?
3: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think without, with, without a doubt there, there is a stigma. And I can tell you that with the mental health referrals that I have made over my past six years um, here at Gunnison Valley High School and, and previously uh, prior to that six years at Manti High School, just 12 miles to the north of us, Uh, we we saw that those referrals were sometimes acted upon, but rarely were they continued. They they usually lasted two to three visits. And a lot of times what we would get is, I didn't like that counselor, so I quit going. And sometimes that was coming from the mom or the dad. And so, yeah, there is that cowboy-up philosophy, I I think, in all rural areas across the country where uh, you don't don't want to be seen as broken, and unfortunately that's – that's the view, and it it shouldn't be that way.
0: Let me turn back to uh, Kim Gardner with Nami uh, Utah, um, Mr. Gardner. I'm wondering what other uh, maybe we could turn next to the what to do, the protective factors, and and how to respond. Um, and I'm sure that uh, anyone who uh, works with teens notices they're you know they haven't learned the communication skills, and that sometimes there could be a barrier. Um, There, so how how best to see the signs and how best to reach out to a teen?
2: Part of the issue is education, education about mental health conditions, risk factors, and warning signs, and uh, protective factors as well, including protective factors for uh, suicide prevention. And we've had a really strong and robust conversation about that. Um, and so those protective factors help us um, against certain uh, challenges or certain risks. And for and for suicide prevention, those risk factors are, as we've talked about, and that is the strong importance of healthy, helpful relationships within uh, friendships, within family, uh, the association with uh, people who are. Um, uh, doing good in their communities and their homes, you know. So, as have been mentioned by Andy and Phyllis, clubs and social groups and and uh, faith-based communities, plus the the protection of having that long view sometimes those conversations that need to happen between parents or other significant uh, trustworthy adults about the challenges that life brings and how we uh, can uh, face those challenges meet those challenges be successful even even when we have step backs and and have that conversation about um, problem-solving, and communicating. So social media that Phyllis has talked about uh, can be a challenge, but we can make that a positive thing if parents and kids uh, can talk about the realities of social media. So all of these things that we're talking about are opportunities that we have to do good um, in our communities.
0: If you just joined us, we're talking about teen suicide. We're talking uh, with uh, several experts in the field uh, from the Society for Prevention of Teen Suicide, Phyllis DeLonghi, their clinical director. You just heard there from Kim Gardner with NAMI Utah. He's their interim director, and we're talking also with Andy Peterson, who's a uh, school counselor at Gunnison Valley High School in uh, San Pete County here in Utah. You're welcome to join the conversation at uh, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. would uh, like to hear your story, your experience if you have one, or your opinion, your question. 800-826-1495 is the toll-free number, or you can reach us by email to upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. So, Phyllis Solange, I want to turn back to you and uh, talk about uh, social media, the interconnectedness that can be a positive uh, help uh, kids uh, get that connectedness it, that we've been talking it can. about. But it can be a negative it, too, right? Because you could you mm-hmm. get you get bullied at any time, equal opportunity bullying at any hour of the day on social media.
1: And you can't shut it off. I mean, you have to be, you know, you have to be really mindful. And I think parents, you know, really need to talk to their kids about uh, limiting the hours that they do all of that. You know, like you take your child on vacation. I see photos, uh, you know, all the time on and everybody's on their phone. You go in a restaurant, everybody's on their phone, adults and, and adolescents alike. And And, you know, I think we just, it's a commitment we have to make to be really mindful of how much time we spend doing that. And, like, what websites are you going to? what social medias are you on, and how do they work, and like educating yourself on it. You know, I I think um, social media can be wonderful because we use it, you know, on our website. We have a wonderful website, www.sptsusa.org. We have, you know, accessed at no cost all of our brochures, and and we even have a a 17-minute video for parents that answers the 10 most frequently asked questions about suicide and how do you talk to your teens about it? So, I mean, and it's chock full of a lot of information that, again, is at no cost. So that's one example of using social media in a positive way to educate myself. You know, I think social media can be impeding when it it kind of doesn't help develop and cultivate our social skills, our communication and social skills, and I find that, you know, It's difficult for adolescents to say things in person, to have conversation and have face-to-face confrontation, to ask for what they want, to fine-tune their social and communicative skills because they're so used to texting it and texting really important um, information back and forth without actually having the social experience. And I think when, you know, we interview kids and, you know, I think some of that is is part of where social media has made and, and just text. The technology has made a little bit of a negative impact on the cultivation and development of social skills. So, as parents, as educators, and I am a former educator um, and a clinician, you know, I talk to our teens about you know making sure that what you do online you can do in person, and that you cultivate your communication skills and really work on developing them and fine tuning them. And I we encourage parents to just monitor the amount of time and what they're looking at, but. But, you know, as far as warning signs are concerned, that's, again, also on our website. And we like to use the acronym FACTS, which is a really easy way to kind of have parents notice what they need to be looking for, um, any change in the feelings, you know, the expressing hopelessness about the future. And I think what, what everyone was talking about this morning so far is that goal setting and looking towards the positivity of the future and like how this family in this family, how we problem solve and really modeling that and talking about it, I think that that, that is just a wonderful point too. Um, and any difference, any changes in displaying severe or overwhelming pain Pain or distress in your actions, any changes, worrisome behaviors, or you know any withdrawal from friends or social activities, anger or hostility increasing, um, any changes in your adolescence sleep, um, threats, talking about suicide, writing about suicide, making plans, um, any ch- any situation that can be extremely stressful, you know like uh, loss or ch- or change or moving, any kind of peer or personal humiliation, um, getting into trouble at home or at school or with the law, these are the kinds of situations that could be triggers, and we need to really look at them as as signs. And, you know, um, I think educating ourselves, we feel more confident. We feel more competent, so then we ask the questions, and we're okay. I mean, it's a very sensitive subject, and it's scary to talk about, but if we're armed with knowledge, then we empower ourselves to really talk about it, and I think that's we have to start there. Um, and I think that using the, the Internet, using our powers and social media for positive is a great way to do it, you know, and I think... It can work for us, but we also have to monitor that there's not negative impact and the appropriateness. You know, every time somebody says something negative about somebody's picture and someone hits like on Facebook, you know, you're contributing to the negative. We have to talk to our teens about how that feels and, you know, what the impact of it is. It just doesn't go out into cyberspace. It's hurting someone. You know, so those are the things that, like, I like to, to, to kind of look at as what we can be mindful of and pay more attention into
0: and really monitor. Let's uh, take another break. When we come back, I'll alert uh, Andy Peterson be coming to him first. I wanted to talk a little bit more about the experience that you've had there in in Gunnison, the community has had, uh, and uh, and, uh, some more about uh, what we can do. We're talking about teen suicide. And uh, jumping off points, the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why. Several uh, groups have expressed concerns that media tends to glamorize and sensationalize suicide. That uh, charge has been leveled at 13 Reasons Why. We've been talking about that and we're talking about teen suicide in general. Uh, Suicide is the leading cause of death among 10 to 17-year-olds in Utah. Serious problem in Utah as it is, of course, everywhere. And we're talking about it uh, more following this break.
1: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and USU's Aggie Blue Bikes, who is again happy to partner with the community for the National Bike Challenge. Community members can log miles, join a team, and express a love of cycling. Information available at sustainability.usu.edu. Scottish pianist Stephen Osborne does practice, of course, but he also believes in getting away from music. You know, you've got to have a broader life. The more you try and closet yourself
3: in, sort of protect yourself, actually you really impoverish what you have to say.
1: Pianist Stephen Osborne on the next Performance Today from APM.
2: Join us tonight at 9 on Utah Public Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We reached our last segment on teen suicide, a very, uh, of course, serious important topic. Last year, at least, and I think it's still the case, suicide was the leading cause of death among 10- to 17-year-olds in Utah. Youth suicide rate had tripled since 2007 in our state. And uh, teen suicide is a hot topic lately with the advent of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. And uh, we're talking about this Uh, with uh, several uh, people, and our guests include um, Phyllis Alonge, Clinical Director with the Society for Prevention of Teen Suicide. We have with us Kim Gardner, who is Interim Director of NAMI Utah, National Alliance on Mental Illness Utah, and Andy Peterson is with us. He is a high school counselor with um, uh, Gunnison Valley High School. You can join this conversation, hope that you will, at uh, upraccess@gmail.com, at gmail.com, at gmail.com, or you can call us at 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. So I want to turn to uh, uh, Andy Peterson next uh, there at uh, Gunnison Valley High. Previously, at, uh, you said at Manti, right? Uh, so yeah, you've been there correct. in San Pete County. I just want to read the uh, the, uh, the first couple of paragraphs from Lois Collins, uh, very impactful article uh, about uh, Gunnison. Uh, this came out last year in the Deseret News. Um, a young, uh, Quoting Lois Collins, a young man walks out of the bank in the rural city of Gunnison dressed in a shirt and tie despite the blazing sun. When he spots Officer Carl Wimmer and his police car, his face lights up. He tells Wimmer he's just gotten a loan to buy a rental property. He owns a small business now. It's a beautiful day and life looks pretty darn good. And uh, this, despite a desperate text he sent a few years ago, uh, "quote It's over, Wimmer. I've gone. I've overdosed." Um, so this uh, points out uh, the complexity here, right? At least in this young man's uh, case, it seems like he had he'd gotten through the dangerous uh, part.
3: Absolutely, uh, and Carl Wimmer is just one of several uh, individuals here at the high school that I, I think it's it's common across the state. You have, you have people who go above and beyond their roles. I think of my counseling secretary, um, who's, the next, who's in the next room over right now, tending to uh, registration issues. But I'm thinking about how she is often my eyes and ears seeing the students that, uh, that I don't have a chance to see because of uh, planning meetings or things like this. So I wanted to come back to um, what, what Phyllis was talking about earlier. She mentioned an acronym, FACTS. Uh, When I I worked with Granite School District with with homeless students, we had a wraparound process, and and we had a similar acronym, except it stood for Families and Communities Together. And and the the wraparound process, I think, is something that sometimes smaller schools are are more able to address. We know who our students are. We often know their parents. Uh, we, we, We can also kind of get a feel for their level of connectedness in the community as well. And so as we kind of have these informal PLCs, hey, I've noticed that Johnny's not, uh, he seems to be down this week, and that's a change in behavior. Uh, Is there anything going on at home? And and we'll have have these discussions on a a very frequent basis uh, at our school, and I think, like I said, it happens at most rural schools. So even though we don't have the the same level of access, we kind of have this this homegrown uh, swell of support uh, as as far as as far as access goes, though, we do have uh, some some initiatives that are starting in the county. Things like Sam Peak Cares has been going on for a couple of years. Uh, Central Utah Resource Board. So we're trying to get some things off the ground where we can uh, start to have some of those services that, that I think are taken for granted along the Wasatch Front.
0: Uh, so Andy Peterson, I wonder you're, you're you are on the front lines, right? It's I don't know that's got to add some stress to it, knowing that uh, teens are at special. Risk and and you know and you don't want to miss any warning signs. Uh, I know the state of Utah uh, does require some training for all teachers, right?
3: That's right, they do. Um, we have a great specialist at the uh, the state office, Utah State Board of Education, Kathy Davis, who does a great job in making sure that we we have our curriculum, whether it's Lifelines or, or SOS. There's there's different curricula that's available. And then as as far as implementing that, I think that school counselors have have a long-standing tradition of finding partners in the classroom, teachers that are willing to allow them to come in for a certain amount of time to share these guidance lessons. Uh, We we have to be careful because in the past with with testing that – if we wanted to get into, into a classroom we typically wouldn't go to the teachers whose subjects are tested unfortunately that's where ninety five percent of the students are so the elective classes where the access is not a problem you're only going to f- hit fifty percent of any given grade and so you, you kind of have to you walk a fine line of balance between um, overburdening teachers with coming into their classroom too much and getting out not just suicide prevention, but college readiness, test prep, coping strategies, all these things that tie into guidance curriculum. Um, but I, I think, by and large, counselors find inventive ways to do that, and, and like we've mentioned, social media is one of those avenues. So, yeah, I think we're finding ways to, to, uh, to address that.
0: Let me turn to Kim Gardner with Nama Utah. I'm curious from a, on a personal level, um, if I notice any risk factors, if I suspect a teen, I guess anyone, but a, a teen is uh, suicidal, what, what should I do?
2: Number one, you should stay with them. Let them know you care. Don't judge them. Let them know that there is help, that there is hope, and that you will... Um, uh, be be with them, uh, stay with them, um, and that you've got their back. So you know it's that it's that I care about you as a human being. Just goes uh, you know a tremendous tremendous distance. I did want to say, you know, I know this is going back a, a little bit, but we talked about social media and the value of social media and some of the challenges. One of the really cool things about social media is that there are lots of helps on social media so there is a there's an app in utah called safe ut um that is downloadable onto a smartphone and that's where 24 7 crisis uh, counselors uh, can chat and text It's the same group of folks at the university of utah that that answer the hotline so um you know even when you're even when you're uh helping somebody that you've asked that difficult question for some people to ask, are you feeling suicidal? Someone who's experiencing what you're going through may be thinking of taking the, your life. Are you thinking of that? That question, uh, as difficult for some as it may be, really helps bring down the stress, helps bring down the crisis. Um, and can open a conversation that can be healthy, and then you can turn to these kind of resources like Safe UT and others um, as, a, as a person who cares about
0: another human being. So I was just going to ask, and you've addressed it here, that this, you know, it's the elephant in the room, I guess, so you should address it directly. Are you feeling suicidal?
2: Yeah, you know, the, the data is really clear. The research is really clear. That question doesn't plant the seed that isn't already there, doesn't increase the risk. The research shows that it actually reduces the risk, as many times a suicidal crisis is very time-limited. And if we can Open that conversation. Ask that question. Show that you care. Connect with resources. That's the approach. Be direct. Don't be afraid of that S word.
0: Mm, okay, Phyllis Salonghi, that's uh, that's. You agree with that? Uh, that's I guess that's the key question. And then you, you then you go I from do. there.
1: Yes, I absolutely agree with that. We have to listen. we have to be direct in asking that question and you know stay with the person and I agree with everything he said that was absolutely the same way that we feel and it's and that's the number one misconception about suicide that if we talk about it we're planting the idea in someone's head um, or it's just negative attention seeking Those are two very large misconceptions that you know are are absolutely not the truth, and research shows we need to ask directly and um, it, we can't put the idea in someone's head. It's actually almost relieving for them that they have someone who will stay with them, take them to where they need to go, make that warm, soft transition to the resource person that's going to help them, and uh, you know, it, that's the, the, the best thing that someone can do. And having, cultivating that relationship with a trusted adult, a lot of faculty members that were coaches, you know, health teachers like that, music teachers, it, it kind of comes out of their experience and their, trans, their interaction with students organically. It just grows out of that, that they become the trusted adult. So they also need to be trained and educated on how do I make that warm, soft transition? What's my role? And it is critical but limited because we're going to get them to the person who can help them. That's very, very important. And um, I think that that's, like, really something we need to focus on as well. And, and again, you know, the challenge is, going back for just a second on social media, there are so many net apps. You know, there's the 741 741 line. There's the My3 app, which you can, you know, uh, purchase. It's free. They're, they're all free that you can download on your phone, your smartphone, so that you can, you know, have three different um, resources that you can go to, and it's it's connected locally to your area. And then always the, you know, if, if anyone you know is struggling or you're struggling, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So there's a lot of good things about having our phones and having them with us, you know. But I think that that sh- we just need to monitor it, you know.
0: I want to uh, follow up with uh, 13 Reasons Why. Um, we've talked about some of the pitfalls, some of the potential dangers. um can this be turned into a positive? Should you, you know, if your teen's going to watch it, should you sit down with your teen and and watch it provide context? Or would you advise teens to stay away from it? Or what? Uh, what would you say?
1: I... I would not recommend anyone who has any kind of suicidal ideation to be watching the the, the series. I do not recommend that. I think that um, if if teens are watching it, so you know, it's up to their parents what what they monitor. You know, whatever the rating that they that they, that they wouldn't allow their child to watch anyway. So we have to pay attention to what's the rating of of, of it as well. And um, I would say this that if I had to. Dig through, tease out, and what what what's positive about it is that we're having this conversation that parents are becoming more aware that with websites like ours and other websites have have um, information that they can get so that they can educate themselves so they can have this conversation I mean there was a lot of addressable issues not just suicide but also sexual violence and substance abuse just to name a few cyber bullying that were depicted in in the series that we can talk about that with our kids and if we don't feel confident enough what can I do where can I go to get that information so that I can if they're gonna watch it and you're gonna allow them to watch it watch it with them and in little small bites at a time you know certainly not the binge-watching, but that and that you talk about resources and what would you do if you felt that way, you know, what would you do if a friend told you that and cultivate those help seeking skills because we know, you know, research tells us and historically that peer-to-peer they're going to say it first, you know, before they tell an adult that before they go to an adult, so so let's talk about, let's build those help seeking skills, what would you do, you know, someone feeling suicidal or threatening suicidal, a friend texting you that or telling you that or you seeing it on Facebook, you know, you, you can't wait for someone else to do it. What would you do? and make it okay for your, make, empower your child to feel confident enough to, to break that confidentiality because suicide is a secret you can't keep. You can't keep that, that confidential, and you have to feel, you know, we have to cultivate that our kids feel comfortable enough to ask for help and then tell them where to go so that they know where to go for help. And, you know, that's really important, too. I think that that's something that this show will, will help us help them you know bring awareness more awareness and education unfortunately you know was it done the most responsibly Perhaps the second um, go-around, maybe they'll, they'll have some stuff before and, and be a little more mindful and more responsible about where to get help and implementing resources and, and do some research on depiction first. We have to remind our teens when they watch this that this is a fictional de- depiction. Hannah's behavior is not the norm, and we, we, we need to remind them of that too.
0: We just have a couple of minutes left, so we'll give about a minute each uh, to Andy Peterson and then Kim Gardner to, to sum up here. Uh, Andy Peterson, end of the conversation here. What would you what would you most want people to know?
3: Uh, I think above, above all else, uh, social media resources, connectedness, all that aside, if, if we can be that caring adult for, for that, that uh, teenager, that youth in a broken home, and just remember these three questions or these three words, tell me more. Uh, We need to be the listening ear, and and that's something that that a telephone, that a smartphone can't do. Uh, I have a two-year-old at home who, if she sees my cell phone on the couch, she'll go and get it and bring it to me because I'm on my phone way too much, and and I I fear that that will have a negative impact on her. So I'm I'm trying to make a conscious effort to uh, disconnect a little bit, especially when I'm around my children. And I hope that as parents across the state, especially young parents, I, I hope that we'll be responsible enough to understand that maybe our social media, um, oh, I would say addiction, it can be causing some things down the road that, that we don't want to be uh, part of.
0: And about a minute left uh, to Kim Gardner. will give you the, the, the last word here. What would you say? Uh, Kim Gardner, are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here. Yeah. Yes.
0: Uh, so, what what yeah. would you what would you most want people to know about this important topic here? About a minute at the end here,
2: that there is hope, there is help, um, and that treatment works. I'll just keep it short and
0: simple. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Important topic, uh, high stakes, of course, and hopefully we've given uh, people some uh, tools here. We've uh, been talking with Kim Gardner with NAMI Utah, their interim director. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much.
0: And uh, Andy Peterson, who's high school counselor with Gunnison Valley High in San Pete County, thank you.
3: Thank you for your time. I appreciate that.
0: And Phyllis Alonghi, clinical director with Society for Prevention of Teen Suicide, has joined us. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. We appreciate the opportunity.
0: And uh, keep the conversation coming. You can uh, still keep your comments coming at upraxis at gmail.com tomorrow. We're going to check back in with Las Vegas writer Laura McBride. We Are Called to Rise, very interesting novel. We talked about her last time. Her new novel is Round Midnight. Laura McBride joins us tomorrow. Hope you'll join us as well. Thanks for listening today. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM Logan. Also heard online at upr.org. why astrophysics matter, even for people in a hurry. The laws of nature that we measure here on Earth are the same that exist on the moon, in the sun, across the galaxy, across the universe itself. Cosmologist Neil deGrasse Tyson explains it all. I'm Steve Kerwin, and that's next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Join us Wednesday
2: morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio.